Hi, guys, and welcome to The Approach with your host, Patricia Deanna and Cal Kamuna. So I have a question for you, um, which is, have you ever, with any of your clients that um, you work with as a dating coach, have you ever <laughs> tried to encourage them to do um, any type of exercise that was purely for their own enjoyment? just for their own self-amusement where they didn't care about like the result of what happened. It was just like, I want you to go do something absolutely wacky and crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, but also usually I recommend it because it has something to do with my job and the context of my job. Right. But sometimes I'll tell them to just take a day off and just go on a date with themselves or, you know, make a list of things they've missed out as kids and, you know, do those things alone or even have them as date ideas. Uh, I've told guys to take dance classes, uh, to get more in touch with their body. And, you know, they can also meet women there, but that's not the primary reason. Uh, and then also improv classes and stuff like that, just so that they can learn to trust themselves in the moment. Ooh, trust and trusting yourself. Oof. That is, I feel like so vital and such a, um, a good characteristic of somebody with a secure attachment style, um, which I am learning secure attachment styles, people who have that, um, who were, you know, obviously that can happen through healing or that you were positioned, you know, as a, as a child to have a secure attachment style. It's great. We love that. Those people though are very attractive for so many reasons because they don't need validation from the outside. It's, <laughs> and it's so obvious. They just, they're within themselves. Um, I was watching some video where they're like, oh yeah, 50% of people who are in the, the States are like, secure attachment style. I don't think it's 50%. Oh. I, I would say like, maybe it's five, maybe it's five, but people with real secure attachment styles, where they're just like, I love me. Um, and I'm secure no matter what, who's around me and what's going on in my life. Whew, they are hot. I want to be one of those people. I'm working on being one of those people. Yeah. Um, you're naturally avoidant or secure. I don't know, to be honest, like I've, I've been different depending on the person I'm with. Um, but I haven't been craving attachment. I've been craving, I like crave love, unconditional love, but I don't crave attachment. As soon as I get attachment, I feel obligated and I start to feel suffocated. So um, then you're avoidant. Oh, I'm avoidant. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So that's once you start to feel things, it, that's when your attachment style comes out. So for me, um, yeah. I'm an anxious attachment style. So anytime that I feel like somebody is pulling away, I tend to want to bring them closer. And most men are considered avoidant. Most women are raised to be anxious. So um, obviously we all want to be secure but then you have that anxious avoidant attachment style and those people i mean they have the most healing to do and i actually believe that i was anxious avoidant mm -hmm. for a long time but then i took the avoidant part away um because i was like well that's silly to avoid you know <laughs> so what does the anxious avoidant type do because i feel like when i read up on it i i related to all of them at one point in time with certain people uh, because they're because when I do the test it comes out secure but I feel like that just based off my intellect of like what I think the right answer is I'm not I'm not sure um so what is like anxious avoidant like what is that exactly okay so a quick google search says that uh you have difficulty regulating emotions negative views uh per perceived negativity poor response to negative emotions, 
less commitment and satisfaction, higher likelihood of violence, higher number of sexual partners, elevated anxiety. Um, let's see. Hmm. Um, they're afraid of int intimacy and commitment, uh, and they tend to lash out and hmm. distrust. Actually, one of the clients that we were just talking about before we got on here definitely is anxious avoidant. <laughs> um, they often spend much of their time alone and miserable or in, an, in abusive or dysfunctional relationships. So um, generally, uh, how I like to look at it is that um, anxious people don't trust themselves avoidant people don't trust others anxious avoidant people don't trust themselves or other people <laughs> and secure people both trust themselves and other people so this is where to me it, it depends on the person right like obviously if if i trust the person and that they have my best intentions then i don't really feel that suffocation from them but there, there are certain behaviors that, that might come up and I can't pinpoint it exactly, but like it just in the moment I can sense it and it makes me um, not trust them. Maybe, I don't know, it, but there's certain people that bring that out of me where I feel suffocated and there's certain people that I don't feel that at all. Mm. Um, and this is like recent, like I'm talking about like the last six months. Um, there are certain people that came up in my life that I'm like, nope, this is a breeze. And other people that I'm like, oh, get away from me, please. Mm. interesting so, i don't uh, know it's, sometimes i feel like these attachment styles are like all based from monogamy like a perspective of monogamy and attachment right and like polyamory like makes it a bit confusing for me just because like i i separate attachment and love and i feel like a lot of people they don't like most people don't like majority uh i agree um i think I mean, I've personally have been diving into um, attachment versus love because um, I didn't really understand the difference. And I didn't, especially now that I'm, I'm kind of where I am in my personal life. Um, I, uh, I, I think I had this idea that love was supposed to be like this intertwined thing but really it's you being secure in yourself and saying, I love me, but I can love you too, you know, kind of thing versus, you know, love me so that I can feel validated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I love me and I love you and I love a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. You can just be yeah. like, I feel like love is being attachment is taking. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody likes that. And it's, it's very unhealthy. That's why, you know, anyone out there who is questioning whether they're in an abusive relationships, a lot of times you can point directly to attachment. Is there a codependency going on there? And usually a lot of toxicness in any relationships begins an attachment. But do you think, okay, so that's, that's my point of view. And I've held that for a long time is like attachment. No love. Yes. But at the same time, there, there's definitely a part of me that's like, is there a healthy amount of attachment that's necessary to make a relationship work? Well, you, you guys should be wanting to be around each other. That's if, if that's what you mean, like, but let's say we have two people who have a goal of getting married, having kids, and that's what their goal is now. And they want to, they want to follow through. Is there, is there attachment required for that? I don't believe so. Hmm. I believe like two secure people. And I think it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, two secure people can um, build love. I don't want to say fall in love. They can build love and a healthy relationship and they can, you know, obviously have a family and teach your children to be secure, you know, like um, yeah. the anxiousness and the avoidance that comes from attachment in general is always based on how we, how much energy we're putting outside of our body mm -hmm. and putting into other people. 
It's why, you know, in relationships, when they end often early, you know, there's always one person that's saying, I need space. It's not because the person's always around necessarily, but their energy is always crowding that other person. Yeah. And that can get uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, I find that it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy when, when the anxious or the avoidant, they act out, they, they act out the, the behavior that they want to avoid, Mm. you know? Yeah. Interesting. So I'm I'm sure you've been around some anxious partners before. I've also been that person. I like, I think in my first relationship, I was probably an anxious avoidant. Like I was, it's really hard to pinpoint that relationship. Part of me feels just because there was so much mental health involved. My mental health feels affected as well. And I can't tell if like where the problem stemmed from a lot of the times I'm like, am I, am I, do I have BPD? Um, is it me that's going up and down? Because now when, when you are in a relationship with someone, you're attached to them, you're basically giving up your emotional control panel and they get that control. So when they are going up, you go up with them. When they go down, you go down with them. It's like this roller coaster. And basically I develop the same mental illness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like now I'm, I'm following their emotional patterns. So right. I think that confuses me quite a bit. Cause like I grew up with a, you know, my, my parents are still together and they're very loving towards each other. Like I get in a car sometimes and they're, they're like flirting in an innocent way. And it's disgustingly cute. And I'm like, they're, I have a healthy like example, you know? Right. To an extent. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, something that I, that you said was uh, the out of control part. I think a big point with both anxious and avoidant people, I think more so with the anxious people is uh, just coming from an anxious person myself, um, is that we want to control. We like, we like, that's, that's the whole point. That's why we're anxious is we're trying to control the outcome of any given, not just, you know, relationship wise, but in general, that's why we become anxious. We're like, oh no, this has to happen. This has to, you know, like we've been told, or at some point in our lives that if something, if the result of something um, is not the way that it was supposed to be, that it is our fault. And so you increasingly grow anxious. I know like when I was a child, um, and this is definitely something I will be looking out for for in my own children when I raise them. But, um, you know, we, we started doing chores at quite an early age. and we were expected and given very high standards for those chores at a very young, young age. And I thought that that was normal. I, I completely, for the longest time, I thought it was normal for a seven-year-old to clean the in- entire kitchen by themselves from top to bottom. That sounds ridiculous now, you know, <laughs> like as an adult, I would never expect there's not a seven-year-old I've ever been around and I've worked with tons of seven-year-olds, never met a seven-year-old that I would trust to clean my kitchen. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, those are the, those are the dishes you eat off of and cook with like never in a million years, <laughs> but I was given very, very high standards on, you know, like cleaning a full kitchen, cleaning, like expected to, to have like a high level of of perfection at a very young age. And when that didn't happen, there are consequences, um, oftentimes a capital punishment uh, or berating or humiliation of some sort. So you become very anxious over your results um, doing that. And I know a lot of women are raised that way because um, especially women who or are grow who grow up and they get chores at a very young age and they're expected to have responsibility at a very young age. It's just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this and make it perfect. So, um, when I'm in relationships in general, um, and I start to, you know, like really like the person. I'm like, oh no, they have to like me. So I have to keep raising the standards. I have to keep doing more to show that 
like, I really appreciate them. And, you know, and it just, it becomes too much. Nobody wants to be around that. It's like, Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> and so anxious people tend to overwhelm the people mm. that they're around. And it's also very repelling energy. Mm. That's why secure people are so much fun to be around. Cause you know, if they want to be there, they they're there. If they don't want to be there, they leave, you know, they're going to tell you the truth. They're very yeah. authentic. Um, they're going to, they're not going to do anything that they don't want to do. Yeah. And they you don't know, feel the, the more you talk, the more I feel like a functional anxious avoidant type that is trained to act secure. Oh, that was me, by the way, that was totally me. Yeah. I trained myself to act secure because yeah. in order to get love from my mother, I had to act. I could not act um, anxious. I had to act avoidant. Yeah. So I covered my anxiousness with my avoidance. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like maybe like I'm taking on like secure traits just to like mask it. I don't know. But like the thing is, the reason I'm saying that is because I still have emotions. You know, when I'm dating, I'm not a sociopath. Like I have jealousy, I get angry, I get sad, I have all those emotions, and um, some most of the time I'm I'm pretty calm in them. But there are times where I might say something that I don't want to say or do something I don't want to do. So that's where it's like, oh, do I still have residue of those patterns? Um, but to be honest, the more I'm talking, the more I think, no, just I'm a human. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you, being, being secure doesn't mean that you don't have emotions. You do have emotions. It's just that you know this. You're just not Mr. Nice Guy about it. Yeah. You, the way you handle them. The way you yes, go about it. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to let anybody walk all over you. You're not going to um, people please. I think the, the real big um, trait of any um, I think unhealthy attachment style is mostly the people pleasing or the view to be super pessimistic and violent. So if you're avoidant, you mm -hmm. might use violence. You might use, um, harmful language to distance yeah. yourself from, um, something you may feel like is attaching you. And then if you're anxious, you're going to try to please, especially an avoidant person. That's why anxious and avoidant people usually. That's funny. Yeah. I don't think I'm either then to be honest, because like, even when, when I was telling you like that people suck, make me feel suffocated. I'm very quick to tell them. Yeah. I'm, I'm very I would, to... I would say, if you want my honest opinion, Please. I lean more anxious, you lean slightly more avoidant. Okay. Um, yeah. but we're both closer to secure than what we think we are. Like, obviously getting to secure is it's, it can be handled. You can work on it. Um, it's especially once you become educated on what having a secure attachment style looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, you, you are not oh, so avoidant that you're like a terrible person or like hard to be around. No, it's just you, you, if I think it, you will slightly lean avoidant and I will slightly lean anxious. So no, I feel, no that makes sense to me. It's a, it's all a spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So validating, validating yourself. Yes. Yeah. Do you know how to do that? <laughs> I'm trying. Do, I'm really trying. Let me know. Cause I am out here trying to build my world. Again, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I've actually I hung out a lot last weekend. I uh, hung out with like two or three different groups. Yeah, three different groups. It was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. I didn't do so much this week because um, I had a very heavy weekend, <laughs> and I definitely just needed to take some me time. Yeah, and uh, you know, especially after valentine's day what did you do for valentine's day i don't i i worked and then i did a yoga class oh fun yeah and then i went to sleep was it themed it was called hot and furious or something like that and it was not yoga it was hit <laughs> i thought it was going it was like high intensity so many people in there it was like 40 people in a room 
and it was like I was drenched in sweat. Like my my whole shirt was like like, like I could. Oh no! It, it was disgusting. Um, but you felt good. You got some exercise. Amazing. My face had color in it after for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, you look beautiful. You look healthy. Oh my god, thank you. Yeah, this is the healthiest I've been in a while. I'm still not 100, percent but I'm. I'm feeling good. Like I'm exercising. My body is getting back in shape. Um, but yeah, like, so going back to the whole, how do you validate yourself right now? I have been getting drained by apps like Instagram, TikTok, dating apps, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, whatever the hell. And I've, I've been feeling like all the connections that I've had have been very surface level. And that to the point where when I'm chatting with somebody, I don't even care who it is. I'm really just responding to the message. And I'm always myself with everybody. So it's easy to do that. But that makes me feel like I'm just talking to a wall at some point and I'm not really connecting with anybody. And yeah, there's a, there's a guilt that comes with that and also a loneliness that comes with that. It's like, I feel like I don't know anyone. No one really knows anything about me either. Um, so I deleted everything. I deleted all my dating apps. I deleted Instagram, TikTok, uh, and the only things I have on my phone right now are for work. Um, but now I, f I feel like the, the people that I am texting, I'm texting them. Like I'm actually connecting with them, which is really cool. And I have all this time and all this like energy now that isn't being thrown away scrolling and going through ads and shit and just messaging people mindlessly uh that i don't know what the fuck to do with it <laughs> well, it's so, like i feel like you're making room in your life for actual connectivity and real um like fulfilling relationships i'm creating a vacuum right now so i'm creating a space for something to get filled and also like right now, because I've deleted my dating apps and everything anything like that, like I'm not watching porn. I'm like, all that is very limited. So I, I'm so like the vacuum is <laughs> getting very strong. The point where like, I have to go out and I have to go meet people. I have to go do things. Um, so it's exciting, but also like those moments where I've done everything that I had to do that, that day. And now I have a few hours left and I'm like, what the fuck do I do those few hours? That's really where I'm struggling the most. It's like, I have so much energy and I don't know what to do with it. And it's like, I need to learn how to transmute, especially my sexual energy, like how to like put that somewhere else. You know, I can do that, especially in the morning. Like I can do that for a few hours, like, a, like, but then after a while I'm like tired. I don't want to, <laughs> but I still have this sexual energy. It's so it's like tunnel vision. It's really, it's really annoying. I think it's a man thing. I think women understand to a degree, but I don't think it's as, no, I'm serious. I don't think it's like as potent as like testosterone, like that shit gets you. You haven't been a woman up. in your thirties. That's all I'll say. I have probably way more sex or sexual energy than I've ever had in my life, which is hilarious. Cause I'm definitely not having nearly as much sex i think women's <laughs> sexual energy and men's sexual energy is a little bit different though like I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say it's the same i just saying that i have a lot um my mind is different and i'm way more in tune with my body than i've ever been so like although i have a ton of energy i don't want to use it with another person like i'd rather use it on myself in some creative passion I think like this is, this is a thing. Like, I I agree, I agree. But like, I think as a man, and I think this is something like maybe only men can understand. I don't know, but when when you have that sexual energy, it's like you get this tunnel vision effect, like this real tunnel vision effect where everything gets blocked out, and it's so intense. And I don't, I like, <laughs> I don't think you get it. I really don't. I'm not saying you don't have sexual energy. But I just think the like redirecting that for men is like a bigger challenge than it is for women. Well, maybe it's because of the abundance part, you know, if no, mm. no, 
Like, I think, I think that tunnel vision effect is like a biological thing that makes us lead like in, in sexual. No, the, the tunnel vision thing that you're saying, we also have. Like, I don't know we, if it's the like, same. I definitely do. And it's very yeah. strong. Now I will agree with you that women's sexual energy is definitely never going to be as strong as any man's sexual energy. I mean, yeah. you guys like really overpower us in that way. To the point where even when we're walking around in the gym, if we see an ass, like our eyes directly go there, like our, like the, it's like a biological thing. And even in our baseline, I think our baseline is similar to when women are actually fucking horny. Like that's like, and I even talk to women who like take testosterone and they're like transitioning and they're like one of their biggest struggles is when they're getting on testosterone, it like gets them like they have way too much energy. And that's like, men normally like we just have that and it drives us fucking crazy i think it's it's why we're so insane <laughs> um i i mean i'm i don't understand because i've never taken testosterone uh so i'm just gonna have to go okay well <laughs> i believe you um i just think it's more intense like for men like the intensity is is higher that's it I mean, yeah, definitely. Cause like, if you just look at dating apps alone, the way that men, um, swipe and the way that women swipe is, is so different. Uh, you know, first of all, only 4% of women are swiping on apps. I didn't know the number was that low. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, that is pretty low. Um, and then, so, and then versus like, you know, basically a hundred percent of you guys are swiping, <laughs> it's, which is so funny. So yeah, that alone says like, you know, a man is swiping usually for sexual intent, even if he wants to find a partner long-term because of his swiping. Um, so yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. It's just hard because again, at this age, I feel so horny all the time. And it's so weird. It's like, it's so, I hate it. And I'm like, is this what it's like to be a teenage guy? Like, it's, it's, when I look at a woman being horny, I think of like this sound, like, mm, or like, mm, like that's, that's the sound I hear. But when I think of a man being horny, I feel, mm, like there's like an aggressive like dominant dominating vibe and it's like gotta dominate like that's what i think so i think even even women being horny there's a calmness around it that doesn't like make them need to like like why the hell are there men assaulting women sexually more than the other way around men are stronger i don't think that's it I don't think that's the only, but it's testosterone. Like, why are we stronger? Testosterone. Why are we more aggressive? Testosterone. Why are we more dominant? Testosterone. It gets crazy. You know what I'm saying? You know I also saying? think part of it is social conditioning too. I don't want to take social so. conditioning no. completely out of it. I don't think that's it. I don't think men are conditioned. You don't think social conditioning has anything to do with it whatsoever? I don't think men are told to assault women. I don't think men are being like, oh, yeah, that was a good thing you did. Or like, oh, yeah, that was an okay thing. Oh, that was fine. Let's forget. No, everyone because is like, you're what the Gen fuck? Z, So you don't oh, remember the movies and things that I grew up with. The okay. movies and things that I grew up with definitely told men. Well, I live now. <laughs> I know that you live now, but there are definitely... um there there's conditioning still happening. You just, if you look deep enough, I love uh, this new wave of consciousness and this understanding of like intersectionality and feminism. I think it's really cool that, you know, like people are starting to understand both sides of the fence or all sides of the fence. Um, but let me just say that before that, there was a lot of, of, uh, congratulatoriness around frat boy culture mm. there's a lot of that i mean mm. um and you, i could point to in in number of rape cases where they were gang rapes and it was basically seen as the victim's fault because she shouldn't have been drunk at a party 
or, you know, just a number of, of instances where the human part of it was really taken out of it. And there was a lot of conditioning involved to basically praise this. Um, it wasn't just men or men <laughs> or boys will be boys type of thing. Uh, the boys will be boys type of saying is another part of social conditioning. If you ever seen the show Mad Men, you will see that, that is, there was a ton of conditioning involved. So, and then a lot of the men that um, that I'm meeting now that are younger don't have as much of this conditioning. In fact, they're more conditioned to be humanist or feminist where they they like see women as people and they respect them and they they know that they have their own shit to work out as far as their own biology but they're not putting it on you know the women in their lives and whoa chill tv jesus <laughs> and then even to to see men with who are actively pursuing female platonic relationships that is new that did not happen. Like there are still men in this world, as you know, who believe that when men and women can't even be friends because they're so yeah. sexually charged by any woman that, that is in their life. And there's like always the whore Madonna complex where it's like either she's the whore in your life or she's the mother maternal figure. And you can never have that dichotomy. And it seems like more of the younger men seem to be open to both that complex within women so yes okay. i do think that social conditioning has a lot to do with it okay you changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> you changed my mind. no i i remember even when i was watching mad men to me that was that like made me double down on the fact that like this is wrong right um but yeah i definitely grew up in a generation where i didn't have much of that if, and if anything, like I, I was always taught to look out for women, just especially because I have two sisters and I was the only son. My dad was like, even though I was the youngest, he was like, you got to look after your sister. Cool. We'll do. <laughs> he said that. Huh? You know why he said that, right? Why? I think it has less to do with the physical aspect of of your sisters and more so to do with like the emotional manipulation side um at least that's what like if i were a mother to a son and also had daughters mm -hmm. i would kind of you know kind of have the same speech make sure you look out for your sisters make sure you know like if they do have boyfriends you know them and understand what's going on with them psychologically because i think because women are just a little bit more naturally fluid and anxious <laughs> mentally um that fluidness equals that you know like it's easier to be manipulated in situations so men who understand women can be great but they can also be very dangerous to women mm. no comment <laughs> I agree that it can happen on the other side too. Don't worry. I know. I'm just saying like, you know, it, I was talking about the son part because you talked about your dad bringing it up. Oh, do you guys have Girl Scouts in Canada? I think so. I mean, I, I think I've seen, I've seen it randomly at, outside of a grocery store. Like uh, some people used to knock on our door to give us chocolate, like sell us chocolate and stuff. Like boys? No, I don't remember. I really don't. I act, like. I I feel like they weren't as. I don't know. They, like they weren't as strict with certain things as they are where you are. Maybe so. I didn't notice. And I was a kid. Maybe I didn't even answer the door. But we definitely got chocolate. <laughs> no, wait. That might have been UNICEF. That might have been. But I feel like I've seen them outside of like Walmart or something selling chocolate too i don't know or maybe that might have been a movie i don't i can't trust my, my memory the answer is yes the, the answer is yes but they're called girl guides they're not girl scouts they're girl guides yes girl guides so girl guides of canada is the national guiding association of canada 
And it started back in 1910 in Toronto is where the headquarters are. And the membership is like 76,000 Canadian strong. (laughs) But that's cool. Like that you guys have like a different name. I was curious because right now it's a Girl Scout cookie season. And I was a Girl Scout, of course. I was a brownie and then I was a junior. And I sold Girl Scout cookies and you know, I'm Slytherin. So, you know, I was like the number one. (laughs) I have so much guilt. Why? Just because I remember taking donations and I kept some of the money and that was not good. (laughs) For what? What, Were you in like boy guides? No, I know it was like elementary school, like UNICEF. It was really bad. UNICEF. Oh, the actual UNICEF? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They you like were part make, of that? Well, they literally make the kids in all the schools like have to go door to door. I don't know why the it was it was weird, but they basically give all the kids envelopes and they're like go door to door and get donations. Oh. So yeah, that's so, probably not a good idea. No, it's a horrible idea. And I was like, <laughs> I I'm a kid who's on like his family's on welfare, and I'm like, what? $20. Fuck. Yeah. Keeping this. I want candy. Like, so I definitely kept some of my money. <laughs> I, feel like, I mean, I don't want to make this into like an, a behavioral economics no, it's podcast. Not, it's not good. Okay. I, I, but I am so tempted to go there, especially since you mentioned that, because the role of capitalism within, you know, your childhood is very important you know, like if you don't have enough to eat or if you're kind of barely making ends meet and you're going, you're living in an area where maybe people skew wealthier than you do, that can really misshape uh, some of your social habits as you're growing up. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I know it did for me in a lot of ways. It was very isolated, um, especially in middle school. Middle school was like when a lot of materialism started coming out. I felt it throughout. Um, I remember this one time, this this was actually, I freaking, this actually makes me very angry thinking about it now. But okay, so we had a field trip in elementary school. It was like grade seven. And you had to give like $20 to go to the field trip. And then when you go, we go to a restaurant, we walk to the restaurant and then we all get a meal. And then we come back to school. My parents couldn't afford it. So they didn't give me any money. Uh, They're like, just stay in class. Right. And the teacher was like, if you don't pay, then you have to stay in class. I was like, okay, well, I'll just stay in class. There weren't any other kids who were staying in class. So she was like, you're going to have to come with us. And then she was shaming me for not like doing it, for not paying. I was like, why didn't you, you should ask your parents. I'm like, I did. And I'm like, yeah, well, you should have. I'm like, okay, whatever. So we're walking to the thing. I'm sitting at the restaurant. Everyone gets their food. Everyone's eating. And I'm like, trying not to watch the meat because you know it's like i'm fucking salivating at this point and people couldn't finish their food these are all kids in grade seven and they're getting adult meals and they couldn't finish their food so my friends my friend like hey man you want to finish my food i'm like fuck yeah so i start eating his food and then someone else is like hey do you want to finish my food so i ended up getting a bunch of leftovers and then my teacher got angry at me and she was like she was like shaming me in front of the whole class for like freeloading and not asking my parents for for money when all these kids had to go and ask their parents for money and then da, 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 da. and I'm a kid I can't I don't know how to defend myself I don't I don't know what's right and what's wrong at, at this age and uh I, yeah it was like shaming it was really bad was this teacher white no what were they she was um I just remember her name well she was brown um I don't know where I don't know where she was from exactly though. Like she was second generation though cuz she, she her English was perfect. She was she was raised probably in Canada. I actually ran into her after high school. Like I was cuz I I still lived in that area and I walked by the park and I, I I chatted with her for like 2 minutes. It was fine. Nothing nothing weird. But um yeah. No, I, I um so I I experienced what you experienced as a child as well. But then I also, um, because I used to work in schools, I also experienced uh, watching teachers do it to other children. 
um, in, you know, within the last five years, um, they would get like really annoyed and very impatient, especially with boys and especially with brown and black boys. Mm-hmm. Like very, very, very impatient. Like, how dare you, you know, like not have money for the field trip or not have money for the dairy farm or something. Um, with and that's like totally a it, it's a it's like it's a sad part of society where we just expect everyone to always have access to resources at any one given time. Um, even as an adult. Um, it can be tricky. Like the reason someone may lack friends is because they lack the resources to actually develop those friendships or the people that they want to hang out with. They're like going to brunch every Sunday. Brunch ain't cheap. <laughs> brunch ain't cheap. You gotta, you know, you might have to drop, especially if you're getting bottomless mimosas. Do you have a bottomless <laughs> wallet? You know, <laughs> like I grew up in one of those house houses where my mom was like, do you have McDonald's money? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if you ever heard that joke before. No. Okay. So it's a big thing in the black community. So you'd be on your way home or on your way to somewhere or whatever. You're like, mom, I'm hungry. Can we go to McDonald's? And your mom is like, do you got McDonald's money? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> And so now the joke is because, you know, there's a bunch of millennials, especially black millennials who have not had children yet. And the parents are like, hey, where are the kids or where are my grandkids? And they're like, you got grandkids money, you know, (laughs) I love it. That's hilarious. It's great. But say that to my dad. Socioeconomics plays such a big part in so like a big aspect of my life. I've been, um, like I said, I've been re- listening to this guy on YouTube, Aaron Doughty. Doughty, yeah. Doughty, Doughty, Joe, Doe, Doughty, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, he's really cool. I like his his videos. Uh, one of the the videos that I recently listened to, I really gained even more respect for him because he said something that I think is really important is that a lot of people are trying to reach enlightenment without really trying to um, fulfill their material obligation in the physical world first. Mm -hmm. And you can't really skip a step. You have to go from like, you know, basically knowledge to applying that knowledge to basically satisfy your needs um, physically before you can move on to enlightenment, because otherwise you're just going to be you're not going to be very powerful with how yeah. you move without resources. And I am, am not necessarily a huge fan of the idea of just social welfare, but I am a bigger fan of like autonomy within social welfare, because I think once people learn how to actually operate in money, that they can actually do more and then they're a lot more like they're more abundant. So they're going to make wiser decisions for their lives versus um, not. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. I'll give you an example. There's a study. So uh, there are farmers who I think they're avocado farmers, anyway, some type of produce. Um, And basically when they're really abundant, when they're in their high season, they make a lot of money. They make, you know, they make really good money. And they test 17 to 27 points higher in their IQ, which is a lot. It's quite a big, it's a, that's a big number um, than they do when they're out of season, when they're not working. So having access to resources is good for you almost overall. Yeah. I mean, it, it money to me symbolizes movement. Like it symbolizes freedom of movement and like me being able to move however I want. So like if I want to go to Mexico right now, I can go to Mexico. If I want to go buy a meal, I can buy a meal. Um, and the more money I have, the more ability to move I have. So it's super, it's associated to freedom to me, right? Uh, that's how I see it. But no, I I, I think that's cool. I, I definitely think that you need to have the action with that 
spiritual side. You can't have just the spiritual alone and just meditate your problems away. <laughs> you need to have some kind of process or some kind of action that you're taking in life. Um, I got something to say. <laughs> say it. I, I've just been absorbing a lot of information. I'm so grateful for this period in my life. I just have to say that because like, I thought this year was like turning out to be like crappy and like the universe was shitting on me, but it turns out this is exactly what I needed. And for yeah. this reason, so I came across another video. I don't know who it was by, but it was absolutely awesome. If you want to Google how to become a thinker to a doer or how to go from thinking to doing, I highly recommend that video. It's, it's really awesome. Okay. So anyways, the concept of basically dissatisfaction in our life is wanting more than what we do. And in order to be more satisfied in, in our life, we need to be able to do what we want. And so if you imagine that most people who, because I, I saw a survey, I saw a live survey of people say that they're mostly thinkers, they're not doers. Only 10% of them admitted that they were doers. But if you're more of a thinker, that means you're wanting big, you're thinking big, you're probably saying big, but you're doing small. Yeah. And so if you really think about that as a concept of yourself, and if we are our most important person in our life, we're the biggest, we're our own stone weight. If you're saying big, but you're doing small, you're breaking promises to yourself, which means your, your integrity within yourself is not aligned. Uh, yeah. You're speaking to me right now. Like this is where, this is honestly one of the biggest reasons why I deleted all the dating apps and Instagram, because it's a crutch. It's super easy for me. It's, it's like, I, I can just chill, lay back and not do anything. It's a safe space. Uh, and I don't feel an integrity there. Right. And when I'm traveling, it's, you know, I'm constantly surrounded by those environments where I'm doing so it's easy. But when, when I'm back here, it's easy for me to just fall back into what's comfortable. So that's why I deleted everything to create that vacuum. That's going to create so much tension in me so much. Oh, fuck. I'm, uh, I need to get out there that I'm going to start taking action. And, you know, it starts today. You know, I, I like it's because I made plans like this week I've been working, but like, because I've been connecting with people, I've, I made plans for this week. I'm going to be going out, meet people in real life, IRL exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, been taking some steps back. In fact, I texted you, I had to like actually text you and not just DM you, um, that, Hey, I deleted Instagram. I deleted TikTok. I deleted YouTube, um, on my phone. Um, like I still have them obviously in other places, but it's harder for me to get to those other places in order to watch. Like when I watch YouTube videos, they're very intentional. They're not like, I'm not just mindlessly watching them now. Yeah. Um, and I have been learning about myself that I've been saying big, well, I've been wanting big. I've been saying big, I've been thinking big, but I have not been doing big. So I have taken it upon myself in this um, last week and probably the next, maybe ne next couple of weeks, we'll see how long it takes where I'm only going to say and do like, so like the, there's only three commitments I've been making to myself for this last week. I meditate, I shower, I eat breakfast. That's it. Those that's all like until I can fulfill my promises to myself, that's yeah. all that's happening. Now I still want big. I still want out here. My want is huge and I still think big, but the commitment, the, the promises that I'm making to myself right now are very small until I can trust myself again. Cause I've like, you have to, that's how you build a secure person is you have to start trusting that you are dependable and reliable on you. I love it. I love it so much. I feel like we're on the same journey right now, just in different cities, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll see you soon. Well, yeah. no, I'm not going to say anything. And <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to say, I take that back. I might not I ever see you in person again. <laughs> I've been very much practicing this whole part X thing. Like very much so. Like I, I named my part X Voldemort and all my thoughts, all my thoughts are Voldemort, including the good ones. So maybe it's like Harry Potter and Voldemort. I was thinking about that earlier. It's like, is it Harry Potter and Voldemort? But I've just been associating it with Voldemort. Like every single thought I'm having, it's Voldemort saying it. And I'm not taking it so seriously because I've been doing that way too much in the last year. And it's it, and I've become so hyper judgmental. You know, and it's been draining me. Oh, yes. So like, that is definitely something else. I, I swear, like this is going to be the most enlightened year I've ever had in my life. So much personal growth. Um, something else I came across, um, which is that understanding why you become a sensitive person. And I tried to like live in my third eye. You don't need to be in your third eye all the time. Like this is something that I'm so grateful. Like I'm, I'm learning that because I was hyper aware of the environment that I grew up in. And I always had to be on eggshells and people please in order to survive my environment that put, that made me ultra sensitive to my environment. Um, whether it be school, church, home, it was always like, okay, you have to be aware that this person's having a bad day. And I could hear the, the, like the way my mom would jiggle her keys. I could tell if it was a good day or a bad day. <laughs> That's how sensitive I was. And so, you know, obviously I get to use that uh, to help you guys um, when you guys do workshops and date uh, boot camps and stuff. And that's great, but it's not great when you're trying to build you, when you're yeah. trying to build your own self identity and self image. And it's so important that you have a strong one, especially if you are a more sensitive and empathetic person, because people tend to want to cling to those things, those, those parts of you, and you will get influenced into their world so quickly and so easily. So I am working on grounding, <laughs> you know, I, who I, am I think it person. goes, I think what it goes back to is be, going back to the watcher. Like, who is that in there? Like, who's watching? And then sitting in that seat firmly. Um, that's what I'm doing. So I'm sitting in that seat as the watcher. And I'm letting Voldemort do all the talking. And I'm just noticing him talk. Right. And and then I just act and I just like live my life. But it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing what I normally do, which is every choice I have to make. What would someone who loves themselves do? And that gets me taking those small actions. So like right now I'm sitting as a watcher and I'm like, what do I do? What do I, what would someone who loves themselves do? I was like, let's work out right now. I have 30 minutes or let's, let's go make a coffee or let's, let's go out for a walk and get some breakfast. I'll just do that. So I am filling my cup. It's just weird right now because I'm capped. I've capped that stream, that flow of validation that I'm used to from online dating, from Instagram. And I don't have that. So right now I'm the one validating myself and it feels very healthy, but also like, I feel like I need a water bottle. I need to rip the freaking label off for a second. You know what I mean? I do. Um, I, I'm not as far as you are like right now. It's because I, I fell into a bit of limerence for a few weeks and it's so like getting you know, I was using so much empathy and so much sensitivity to try to control and, you know, using my anxiety basically that I'm still working to stay here and like be in action and to feel like uh, this morning when I was meditating, it, man, it took like, it probably took the first 18 minutes to even get awareness in my body. Like I didn't realize how much of the sensitivity that I was using at boot camp last weekend to read people. And I'm like, okay, so I need to start setting boundaries there. Um, and it's very interesting because I, I did find myself over the last week, uh, setting more boundaries and, and dating in general, by the way, this is hilarious. <laughs> Tell me what you think of this. So 
um, I don't want to go on dates right now. Like I, I don't want to go on a date unless I have developed, um, an emotional connection with somebody. Um, and so I've been letting the guys that have been, you know, I've been matching with, I've been letting them know that. And I've been getting a, cause I've been super honest about it. I'm like, listen, I came out of a situation that was a bit much and very intense. And I just want to take my time. The amount of respect that I'm getting from them is on a level I've never experienced before (laughs) where they're like, oh, really? And they like watching them try to get to know me is very interesting. Yeah. I will say, I will say men are very adaptable. Humans are very adaptable. So just because you're seeing that effort, that's because you asked them directly for it. Right. So, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a great thing. Cause you're setting, you're setting your boundary. You're saying, this is what I want. And you're going to receive that now, but you, that does not eliminate the fact that you need to. Zone oh, I still need more. to be discerning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, discerning is I'm just I, looking it, out for you. Okay. Patricia, let, let no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm happy that you're looking out for me. It's, uh, it's just, it's interesting because I get to see more of like, it's like, you know, when you don't have abundance in dating and you, you know, like you're just excited for it. Like if I'm a, if I'm a guy and you're just excited to get a couple matches or whatever, mm. you know, you don't feel like you have a whole lot of options. And so, you know, maybe you go with the girl that's wearing the red dress because <laughs> you like the color red. So, and that was like the best thing you could pick, you know, you just didn't have a whole lot of options versus when you do have more abundance and you can start really being selective on the things that are important to you. Um, you, you know, like maybe you like short Latinas, (laughs) short Latinas with a feisty attitude. And you now there's not just one short feisty Latina that's available to you. There are different kinds that are available to you and you get to pick the one that really fits you the best. This is what it kind of is starting to feel like for me where I'm like, okay, you know, like there are different men who are approaching what I've been requesting very differently. And I get to actually, I get to see like the high end quality versus the not so much the generic brand is, is it's really cool. I feel you. No, that's great. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, right now I'm trying to cap into the mental abundance and less of the physical because I've been letting go of people like uh, that have been validating me, but that I, I feel either that I'm wasting their time or they're wasting my time. You know, and like, I know there's nothing there. And I'm just like, I might as well just end it. So I've been, I've been removing all these sources of validation. And now I'm in a position where I have to really tap into that mental abundance, that knowing in, in the mental. Cause I think for my journey was I needed to get that physical abundance and then, then tap into the mental. And I'm like, I know I can have it. Like, I know I can have it, but when I'm not having sex, like every day, <laughs> Right now, it's like it's that that's where I need to really be vigilant and be like, Cal, chill the fuck out like you're you're fine and and tap into that mental part, because if I'm stuck in that physical part, it's a it's a rat in a wheel. You know, I'm I'm just going to be running my whole life and there's never going to be a point where it's going to be enough because I need it. I need to have this physical abundance. Look how many people want me. Look at look at all this validation. That's not healthy. Um, So I'm making a shift. I'm making a shift and I, I feel like I've made this shift before, but I didn't, I didn't stay in it. And now I'm like pretty committed. I, I am committed to sitting in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get where you are, um, where I'm physically going out and being in real life. Although I'm not there it's happening tomorrow. Let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's like being in real life. Um, I feel like it's going to be so such an experience, um, whether negative or positive. Uh, somebody said accepting a negative experience is a positive experience and expecting a positive experience is a negative experience. 
So um, I, as a person who, like I said, has an anxious attachment style, all I want to focus on right now is letting go of control and just allowing myself to be and becoming into being. And um, man, <laughs> I would not have been able to do that without the chaos of last year. Yeah. Because that's the only way I was going to get pushed into this. Well, I'm still stuck on that quote you just dropped. That was a bomb. That was amazing. <laughs> I feel like such a spiritual guru right now. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just, I, I'm in a place where, man, I, 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 I don't know how to say it other than I can't wait to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm healing right now, and I, I definitely feel much further. Um, and it comes in waves, like some moments I feel great, but I noticed that the moments where I'm doing and being are the best moments. I I find that the healing, it never ends. It's like a box of tissues that keeps getting filled up and you just keep having to take the tissues out. But I focus more on where's my energy. Am I in like apathy or am I in like joy and presence, et cetera. And I, I, I find that when I'm in apathy and I just want to be happy, that's like a big ask and that's like almost impossible. But if I'm in apathy and I can get myself to a neutral space, like through meditation, then from there I can go up and down. I can go down back into apathy or I can go up into joy. And what I have to do after I get to that neutral place is become very proactive on how I respond to the external objects and even the internal objects as in my thoughts and that's where i look at voldemort i'm like haha good one (laughs) you know and i and i laugh at the negativity i laugh at uh at rejection i laugh at circumstances um and i i I turn into a positive and i i really love that quote you dropped you got to drop it again before the (laughs) podcast ends um Basically, expecting a positive experience is a negative experience, while accepting a negative experience is a positive experience. Um, but I was I was actually going to support what you just said and say that like something I, I picked up a couple weeks ago um, was kind of this music therapy thing that I'm doing with myself, where I try to meet myself vibrationally with the song that matches my energy at that point. And then from there, I can build a playlist into where I want to go. So like if I am feeling heavy and a lot of tension or fearful, or just like inside my body, I need to find music that matches that. And then from there, I can escalate my emotions and my energy based on that. I don't So if you guys want to try that, let, out me, let me add on to that. Okay. So I find that when I'm in a good mood, happy music, great. When I'm in a bad mood, happy music, disgusting. Right, exactly. Right, so I have this playlist called For Myself on on my Spotify, and that's like my happy playlist where it's just like, if I put this playlist on, it's probably going to be weird, funny, or like happy music. Um, So, but I need to get myself to a neutral place to really accept that music. I have done it in a bad space where I kind of force myself into it or I listen to it anyway. And then I, I slowly get into it, but I find if I get myself to a neutral place first and I'm listening to that happy music, I put it in my left ear mid volume and just walk about my day. It keeps me in that positive headspace. Uh, I'm also listening to just really weird spiritual music you know what i mean like i listen to it every day i don't know what it's called that's why i'm like (laughs) i just well like literally that music is actually under the raise your vibrations um category okay so you're you're on the i believe right track um but what you said about you know having to listen to music mid level um I, this is why I like Apple music. Cause they have these really cool playlists. They have like things called like a going through a breakup, long distance relationship, not feeling it, getting over stuff, you know, like they have all these sad playlists, but they also have happy playlists and they also have neutral playlists, taking a shower, cleaning your room, um, uh, a day in Chicago or whatever. And 
it listening to just general music has really helped me like come up. I will literally save a, a song and be like, oh, I need this for when I feel like this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is my blank, blank emotion yeah. that I can start because the starting part and matching your vibration makes it honest and authentic. And you can meet yourself, you know, versus trying to force yourself into something else. Yeah, it helps you process the emotion. It's like uh, when you're sad and you watch a sad movie and then you can cry it out a little bit, <laughs> get yeah. yourself to that zone. Uh, and then when you go to that neutral place, it'll be a lot easier. Oh, yes. And, and it'll be from a healthier place. Um, so I, I definitely don't want like spiritual bypassing where you're just avoiding the negativity constantly. You do need to feel it because you don't want muddy water. Um, but, you know, there are times where you do need to just get yourself to that space. And, but like the, the best way to do it is feel it, get yourself to a neutral place, then get yourself to a positive place. Be authentic with what you feel in your body. Be authentic with like, yeah, I'm go and this is still bothering me. I'm still heavy or whatever in this space. It won't last long. The sooner you acknowledge it and the sooner you feel it and enjoy it, which sounds crazy because it is, there is an enjoyment with even negative emotions. Yeah. Um, you will to a state, right? It's, it's, it's like you get to be authentically you you don't have to hide and it's so much better but like seriously like we're all addicted to our state that's like one big reason why happy music sounds so disgusting when we're in that depressive state because we want to stay in it we want to stay in that state we don't want to feel something different we don't know that's foreign to us at that moment oh yeah that's why you got to make an escalating podcast or escalating playlist where you don't just stay there. You know, you have maybe two or three songs on that vibration, and then you slowly start to bring that vibration, those songs up. You don't stay in sad music. You, you start with, that's why I save certain music songs from those playlists. I don't use that playlist okay. so that you can, you can stay at level, you know, like you start at level three, you're on a level three, but then, you know, a couple songs, you go to level four and five. Then the next one, you're at seven. And usually like the last um, one that I created, it's called Get Over It. Um, it The first three songs are heavy on purpose. They are heavy and sad, but very emotional and expressive. It's Adele, it's Labyrinth. <laughs> it's all my divas, you know, all my, all my sad girls. <laughs> and they're doing their thing. And then it slowly starts to, the, the tempo starts to change, but maybe the lyrics are kind of similar. And then the lyrics start to slowly change a little bit higher. And the next thing you know, I'm flipping my hair, dancing full out Lizzo and Beyonce and I'm, I'm good, you know? Nice. Nice. That's I think fun. we should, end, I think we should end at that. I think we should end it there, <laughs> but I also think that we should make a video like showing that process. Cause I think it would be fun to do with you. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Audience. Let's try. We're going to have some fun. I think next week, it, next week when we do our podcast, we're going to do some wild stuff for fun. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to raise the vibration of this podcast. <laughs> raise it. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next time. Bye, humans. Bye.